Hi, I'm Beetle. And I'm Lo. And this is Queer Fandom. This podcast is not safe for work, not safe for kids, and not safe for the overly sensitive aunties. I don't know what to call them. We learn a little bit every single time. <laughs> yeah, this is still in the experimental baby stages. We'll see how tonight goes, but we might have to make Kaylee record with us a third time. No, Kaylee might make us have to record for a third time. That would be fine. The more we do this, the better. See? Just practice. I guess so. <laughs> I think the more you talk, the deeper we get into your story and the more interesting things you'll say. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. I'm Hopefully. I'm psychoanalyze you. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you have to say about me saying haiku was a big bit? What? I heard that you regretted saying haiku. I did. <laughs> I did. Good. Well, now we get to revisit it. We'll see what's. I was like, "What the, f- what the fuck?" <laughs> so for the so for the record, Kaylee and I attempted to record this episode by ourselves, and we didn't do a very good job. So now Lo is here to help guide us on our redemption journey. We got. I got. A little bit too high for the questions that were being asked of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm actually definitely more intoxicated tonight than I was yesterday. Oh, exciting! Um, I'm less. That's so good. I'm I think, happy. I think for I'll you. be able to pull it off. Good. I'm a little intoxicated, so that'll balance <laughs> it out. Perfect. We're good. Golden. So, hi. Welcome back to the show. Um, for a second time, for a secret, for for your first f- f- official time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate getting a chance to say stupid shit a second time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell us, tell us who you are. Give us your name, your internet name, your age, and your pronouns. Oof, okay, I'm Kaylee. My Twitter at is Moogle Festival. I'm like checking my notes as if I don't know who I am. Uh, I go by she, her <laughs> pronouns. And um, I would say I'm queer. I guess if I had to pick like a more specific label, I would say lesbian for now. Um, but you know, for me, it's kind of a ever changing thing. Mood. I think it always is. Yeah. 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 I've kind of accepted that part of life now. <laughs> I think it's hard to accept when you're younger and once you get older you're just like well I just fit under that umbrella and that's that's all I need yeah it's it's a lot about uh finding identity I think when you're younger and that I think that kind of ties in with what we're gonna talk about today sure is so we usually um oh I, I guess I should say Kaylee you're the first guest on queer fandom hi welcome thank uh, you and we are probably, our hope is to have a bunch of different guests on the show, and we want to kind of ask everybody the same couple questions in the beginning to just kind of get a feel for everybody. So you're going to be our uh, guinea pig as we uh, test these questions out. I'm really excited. Okay. <laughs> Lo, do you have these questions? Yes. You have your computer? Yes. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I don't have them. <laughs> You sent them to me. Oh, they are here. It's okay, it's the magic of editing. We're doing so good. Okay, so um, we want to know what your three major fandoms have been. If you could pick three fandoms to kind of define your timeline, what would they be? So this is really hard. Like, you gave me a heads up, and it still freaked me out to try to, like, pick three out of the many that I've had because I've been in fandom for 11 years now. Um, But if I had to narrow it down to three, I would say Kingdom Hearts, um, Supernatural, and Final Fantasy Mm XV. Supernatural. That nice middle middle spot. I put Supernatural in my fandom timeline, so. To be fair, you didn't do a top three. (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) so I know Kingdom Hearts was your first one will you tell me how you got into Kingdom Hearts fandom how did you find fandom in the first place 
Um, so I was like nine years old and just for Christmas, like my dad found Kingdom Hearts 2 for sale <laughs> and he bought it for me. And I didn't really look at the fact that it was the second one. I was like, oh, whatever. I'm sure I could figure it out. And then I started playing and then it was incredibly difficult to understand. Um, so I started going online and trying to look for, you know, info on it. And then I started finding, you know, YouTube videos and I started finding cosplayers and I started finding, um, I would say most importantly, um, not safe for work material. And I found out, you know, oh, because before I didn't know that being gay was a thing. I didn't. I just never thought about it because I was just a kid. It's so interesting that you just went looking for the canon of this piece and instead you found this whole other uh, world. <laughs> just yeah. so much other information was put I into mean, you instead of just like, what came before the second Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, it was like, it, it was just, I remember like looking at like a YouTube thumbnail and it was like early 2000s YouTube. So it was like, really really old format and it was like a Sora X Riku and I was like what does the X mean what does that mean <laughs> and uh you know I saw them kissing and I automatically like went to my grandma and I was like I have to show you something I found something amazing and she was like oh <laughs> how old were you how old were you I was like I was nine wow and uh you know I just showed my grandmother and I was like look at isn't this awesome like, they're kissing. That's so cool. And she was like, yeah, uh, sure is. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you should look at this stuff. I don't know if you're old enough. Okay, so Kingdom Hearts was very influential because it was um, your first. Huge. What do you think was the, why do you consider Supernatural an influential fandom? Um, I would say Supernatural. I really... Um, I was in the height of my mental illness in Supernatural fandom. And so I think I clung to it really hard and I hyper fixated on it really, really hard. And I think it kind of shaped my tastes in the future. And I mean, like Supernatural was the first time I feel like that I was enjoying more uh, adult looking men. That sounds scary. Um, because <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, you know, they're like, they're younger, and I was nine at the time, so, you know, Riku being 16 was, like, super old and sexy to me, and I was like, whoa, right. you know, that's cool, <laughs> and then, you know, now I'm 20, and I'm like, okay, like, let's go for, you know, 25, 35, 45-year-old people. <laughs> I think that's good. They, they should sort of grow with you in, in certain capacities. I, like, now I ship the oldest men I've ever shipped. Yeah, because sure. I'm approaching my 30s, so now some of my guys are like in their 30s, which I don't think I touched that when I was under the age of 20. Oh, so like, so, ew, gross. Yeah, old people. <laughs> so supernatural felt like uh, growing up a little bit to you in your like shipping experience. Yeah, and to me, fandom is mainly shipping. Like that's how I interact with fandom. I mean, I think the words queer fandom. Obviously, the, they can cover a lot, but to me, like, the phrase queer fandom just means, like, shipping. Like, mm -hmm. the, people who, the people who hang out around the concept of shipping. That's true. I think, uh, generally. Okay, so your, your number three was Final Fantasy XV, right? Yes, yeah. What would you consider that, what would you consider influential about XV? Oh, God, everything. Um, Final Fantasy XV, even though Kingdom Hearts was, like, my first fandom and, you know... Again, like coming back to mental illness, Kingdom Hearts stopped me from killing myself a couple times because I was like, well, I want to live to see the end of this. And like, like as a nine-year-old, like that's a really scary thought to have. But, you know, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety super, super early on in my life. And so Kingdom Hearts was like the only thing that really made me like feel good. And... um it was really hard coming up with three top fandoms because I was really just thinking Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy 15 because Final Fantasy has had that same effect on me. Um, and it's brought me a bunch of amazing things, a bunch of amazing people. And it brought me more of an identity for myself. 
Okay. I mean, fantastic. Thank you. That's, exa- that's exactly what we were hoping to get out of those kind of opener questions. Awesome. It's so embarrassing to say it out loud. <laughs> no, 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 no. You sound really, really good. Um, okay. My thing is, and we struggled with this the last time Kaylee and I struggled with like how to segue naturally into the topic of the day. I've been trying to kind of like... No, no, you've done so good. You gave us like two opportunities and we didn't grab them. And that's why I'm like <laughs> pausing to ask about... <laughs> You're doing yeah. so great. I mean, you you sort of led into it a little bit, as you mentioned, your mental illness, and that's something that we want to talk to you specifically about. Uh, this isn't the only time we want to talk about mental health and mental illness, and certainly not the only time uh, that we want to talk to you, so definitely don't feel pigeonholed um, in that topic. Um, so you mentioned mental illness and how it, um, you briefly mentioned how it looped into fandom. Um, do you have a diagnosis that you're willing to share with us? Yeah, um, I have a generalized anxiety disorder, I have depression, and I have before been diagnosed with anorexia, but right now that's not really an active diagnosis, I'm mostly recovered. And then um, just like, I know it's not like a diagnosable mental illness, but I was in an abusive relationship and I felt like that really shaped my, my mental state and my fandom afterwards. Of course. Um, so how has this been a, how has shipping been a positive for your mental health? Um, shipping, here, sorry, let me check my notes. That's fine. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so shipping has kind of, you know, been my release from things that have been going on in my regular life. I think a lot of queer mentally ill people in fandom kind of use shipping to insert themselves into a different world you know you kind of surround yourself in it and uh I think it I think it shapes who I am a little bit you know I think definitely like my hyperfixation pairing of the moment really uh dictates a lot of my social life okay so for you so for you fandom is a social experience and having having a ship gives you a way to be to be social. Yeah, for me sometimes because of my anxiety and because of my depression it's hard for me to uh connect with other people. And so I feel like um in fandom a lot of the hard part is done for me because you guys uh already like the same series I like. We already like the same uh you know ships and then we're around the same age. So it kind of like makes socializing a little bit easier for me because it takes out the scary parts of really like uh, approaching somebody. Certainly since most like shipping fandom happens in internet spaces, you don't even have to leave your house. And for yeah. some of us that are maybe uh, not comfortable in social situations, uh, which I can you know very vividly remember being a kid with anxiety struggling in social situations that when I found shipping I was like oh my god this is great this is so much easier I could just like (laughs) sit here at home and this is so much more fun and it it does like kind of let you um like bloom socially I guess in a way if you've struggled to do that before for sure it was it's definitely um it's how I became friends with you guys I mean because you know we became friends through a final fantasy ship and you know, we're still friends and we move on with ships together. But, you know, like that's part of the core of our friendship. So in that vein, what are some of the other like big changes uh, queer fandom has brought you in your life? Uh, queer fandom has brought me my partner. So that's really nice. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, it's really amazing having a partner who understands what I'm doing because you know sometimes I see people who are like super into fandom and then their partner isn't and I just can't imagine a relationship like that because so much of my life I feel like is dedicated to fandom like this is what I do for fun yeah we've been talking today about mental illness and how you know how maybe fandom has helped you through that uh, how how do you think that plays into your relationship and fandom? Um, I really like I I really like role playing with my partner. Like you guys mentioned that a couple episodes ago. To me, it's you know the same as like, especially you know because my partner lives an hour away from me. 
um, I don't get to see her all the time. I don't live with her yet. So um, I get really excited to role play with, don't, don't, wait, take that out. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what, the word yet? <laughs> don't say that one. You don't, don't you don't, that. you want me to take out the phrase, I don't live with her yet? Yeah. Okay, I'll take it out. <laughs> I totally 100% promise I'll take it out. Sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> That's very cute. <laughs> Sounds like somebody who's plotting. <laughs> I'll just embarrass myself. I guess that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like role playing with my partner because to me, that's like, you know, getting to go on a date with her. And, you know, we get to play around and like mess with our identities, see like what we're comfortable with. Because I feel like both me and my partner are going through really a uh, transitional part of our lives right now. And I feel like it's really therapeutic for us to work it out in a way that doesn't have consequences in the real world. I definitely feel that way. That was a lot of my experience role playing with Lo in the like beginning of our relationship. Uh, the first year that we were friends and we were kind of uh, realizing that we had feelings for each other, we were both in relationships with other people. And so we couldn't really be outwardly affectionate with each other or anything like that. So when we would role play, like all of our emotions and all of the like unspoken truths between us would come out through the characters. And that was such a. Uh, a cool and powerful way to express yourself as like who at the time like we were teenagers but I I think it in any relationship going through anything that's kind of difficult it gives you an opportunity to get that stuff out there yeah it was a fun way I think B and I for you to you and I to flirt um way back in the beginning because it's sort of really revealing at the same time that you're hiding behind something um so you get to both be really naked and be like oh it wasn't me like I wasn't really saying those things I'm just messing around it's all fake but in the meantime on the inside you're like yeah I do mean that like I do kind of wish we lived together like I do want to like move across the country and be with you like it's very freeing Oh, so uh, Kaylee, you mentioned that um, role play with your partner also gives you an opportunity to explore different identities. Um, what opportunities do you think uh, role play offers? I mean, for me, being um, being involved in fandom at nine years old, um, you know, I started, you know, role playing on DeviantArt and I was role playing on like AIM and <laughs> wow like yeah so it was like uh you know again like I had never really known about gay people and so I uh I had a couple you know little online friends you know I was nine and they were like 13 and they knew way more about uh you know identities than I did and I didn't have to ask because we just kind of role played it and then I was like thinking like oh, I do feel this way that my character feels about my friends who are also the same gender as me. It's okay. fun. It's kind of funny uh, thinking about all these memories. And today I did go on DeviantArt because I was uh, getting kind of prepared for this episode. And I was looking up, uh, I looked up my username to see if my account was still active. And it's not, which is kind of a shame. But uh, I have fan art that like my online friends drew like of me and like of us and it was like you know really cute not super you know well done art but it was really special at the time (laughs) what is the fandom that you had friends in that were drawing art oh it was uh, it was kingdom hearts and it was uh final fantasy 7 because final fantasy 7 was like my first final fantasy nice (laughs) Were you shipping at that point? Oh, for sure. As soon as I found out what shipping was, I was like head first into it. I was looking up like Dojins on YouTube. And so there would be like slideshows of Dojins because I didn't know where to read them. And I would like look up on Amazon or whatever at the time, eBay, and be like, you know, Sora X Riku, because I thought, you know, these are books. People write these books. I was I didn't know that this was like a very specific fandom thing and that quote unquote normal people don't <laughs> hyperfixate in this way. Doja are like a secret underground thing. I can't they're like not really accessible to anybody under the age of like I don't know, your normal job having age. Certainly back then on the internet. 
Yeah, if you, couldn't, like, if you couldn't find someone who, like, scanned them in a pretty obvious place that wasn't, like, behind passwords, then <laughs> you were screwed. You had about you had about two weeks to look at any of the dojins that were uploaded to YouTube before they got deleted. <laughs> and I remember so many times, like, going and checking and being like, no, my favorite one. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about some of the changes that queer fandom has brought you. And one of the ones that you mentioned was um, uh, a relationship and also <laughs> relationships with friends. Yeah. and uh, opportunities to express yourself and experiment with your identity. How have those things played into uh, your mental health? Um, for my mental health, like shipping has been a really good experience for me because, you know, a lot of the times the one of the characters in the pairing is a character that I find myself identifying with. Either they have a trait that I think that I have or a trait that I want to have, or I'd like just desire to be like that character. So I idolize them. And so when I insert myself into those characters' shoes, when I'm shipping, reading fan fiction, uh, role-playing, that kind of thing, um, I'm seeing kind of a more positive future for myself, especially if I'm role-playing the character as having, like, say, the same mental illnesses as I do. And, uh, you know, usually I like to write my role plays like everything's fine in the end. You know, it's it's sexy and it's also a happy ending. Right. So <laughs> so you, by putting yourself in that character's sh shoes, you know, that character is going to have um, overall a happy character arc. And so yeah. it makes you feel kind of hopeful in that in that way. Yeah, for sure. It gives me a lot of hope. I feel like I'm cataloging all of the like cool things that queer fandom does. But I, I just I feel like I'm. All, these are all of the same reasons that I've been drawn to it as somebody that struggles with um, mental illness. And like I said in the last episode, whenever um, my bipolar disorder was at its worst was when I found that I needed fandom the most. And it was because of a lot of these things, the opportunity to explore an identity and um, something that made me feel hopeful and something that literally quite literally was sometimes the only reason I got up in the morning the next day was to get like back online and see what was happening in my fandom with my ship. I should, I should phrase this question carefully, but do I'm going to pose this to both you guys, uh, Lo and Kaylee. Do you guys think there are more mentally ill people in queer fandom than other hobbies? We can't quite, you know, know that for sure, but can you speculate? I would say that this is a space where people feel comfortable sharing that, um, where it might not be as um, widely accepted to share that in other hobbies. So definitely we talk about it more, I think, in, in fandom than you do if, say, you're a huge sports fan um, or if you're really into... I don't know, I can't think of another hobby. Like, I know, I said fishing or something. Fishing. 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 <laughs> uh, You're not going to walk up to somebody and be like, wow, great catch. I have bipolar disorder. Like, <laughs> it's not going to go over well. <laughs> Thank oh, you very that much. is me, though. <laughs> oh, that's, that's exactly how I would fish. Thank you very much. I think it's a little bit of the creativity. I think that, I think that a lot of mentally ill people are very um, inwardly focused because we're struggling all the time. And so when you're focused on your, in, your, your inward emotions sometimes, I think that really helps inspire creativity. And I think fandom space is like, well, already we have something a little bit established and then we can take it and kind of run with it. And there's not really much you can do for that in sports. Like, I guess like fantasy football teams are like head cannons. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they're headcanons that you like gamble on yeah and I mean god knows I gamble on fandom uh, <laughs> um, and I think I think fandom is a way for a lot of mentally ill people to you know like if if you're doing fandom the right way in my opinion uh, you're kind of able to leave a little bit of your mental illness at the door and, you know, because it's supposed to give you a little bit more freedom and you're supposed to, well, I don't want to say supposed to, but in my experience, it's just been a space where I can forget about that kind of thing and just focus on 
the thoughts and feelings of characters and, you know, my world that I'm creating that I can control. So what do you think um, the wrong way to do fandom is then? Um, I've definitely, I don't want to say it like I haven't done it. Um, like for me, fandom and, and shipping especially can have also been very negative experiences because, you know, sometimes I, you know, especially when I was younger, you know, I was, again, I got into fandom at nine years old. So all my teenage angst years were in fandom. So sometimes, you know, certain pairings or certain series kind of bring back certain emotions for me because I kind of uh, section those parts of my life by fandom. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, the Haikyuu fandom, that was a really bad time. Yeah, the Haikyuu <laughs> era. Lo and I frequently refer to our lives within the chapters of like oh that was this era is always like a particular fandom that was the time we were that was when we were in supernatural or like if i can't remember the year of something i can remember what fandom i was into at that point For in my sure. life yeah and uh i also think that it's it's a little bit of an echo chamber if you do it the wrong way and uh it's a bunch of people who feel you know really bad about themselves which is valid but um <laughs> <laughs> relatable valid. valid I feel bad about myself too but um it's when you bring it kind of like on your shoulders and start spreading it as part of the fandom that it starts getting a little messy and especially with like younger fandoms like uh you know Oh gosh, you don't I have can't. to. You don't have to name any names. No, I'm not going to um, name any names. But I agree. I do. I do think a lot of it is an age thing because I think, uh, at least for me personally, and I know I'm speaking just for myself, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if others feel the same way. The older I get in fandom, uh, now, you know, I'm in my late twenties. Uh, I have learned how to not participate in fandom on my bad days, where when I was 16, 17 years old. I would never consider ever not logging in and participating <laughs> every single day because it was just the most important thing in my life to me. It was all I ever wanted to do at any time, at any point, you know, fuck school, fuck hobbies, fuck extracurriculars. I just want to go home and like think about and write about this ship. And so even on my bad days, even when my mental health was, you know, in the toilet, I would log in and I would interface with people and interact with my fandom and that wasn't always necessarily the best time to be doing that and I've had to learn uh to just not not interact on the days where I'm not in the right headspace to interact with with other fans because it is it's a um especially in in the sense of like mental illness when you come to this kind of space you're and let me let me start over especially when you come to a space where creativity is a part of the interaction, you're putting yourself on the line every single time. Like, I wrote this. I drew this. This is what I think. And that's very scary uh, to do. And then, you know, if you're bringing mental illness into it, which so many of us are, and I put something out there and I say, I wrote this and I'm having a bad day and someone says, it sucks, I hate it. <laughs> that is not going to go over well. And that's th those are the interactions that just, you know, explode into really, really bad fandom experiences for people because you weren't able to just not log in that day. It's something I've had to learn with age. You know, I, I think it takes time, and I think that's why a lot of the times uh, younger fandoms suffer more from that. It's just because they don't have as much experience yet. It took me... 10 years in fandom to figure it out. How do you think um, mental illness and, and fandom interact? And this question is sort of for both of you, um, since B, you were just talking about this. Uh, I'm, I, again, I want to just emphasize I'm only ever speaking for myself. And I would, I'm bold enough to guess other people feel similarly to me, but I, I just want to put it out there that I know maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but for me personally, mental illness and fandom interact. Uh, I'd like to believe I would be into fandom even if I weren't mentally ill, although I kind of can't imagine who I would be if I weren't. Um, but I think for me, fandom gave me an opportunity to play with identity. And a lot of times my mental illness tended to, you know, 
uh, develop into something like you hate yourself and you need to be someone else. And fandom just gave you such an easy way to do that. And the first big fandom that I was really in uh, was also my first time like changing my name and changing my pronoun. And just immediately I was like, I can be this other person. And, uh, it, you know, it had, there's positives and negatives that, that come with that. But for the most part, I found that really empowering. And it, ga- it gave me a place to really uh, experience with, you know, ex- experiment with my identity in probably like a safer way than maybe I could have done it other ways. Uh, so that's, that was how my mental illness interacted with fandom. It gave me an a, a escape, a chance to be someone else for a while. Um, I definitely agree with that, but also, and like you said, I'm speaking for myself and for my experiences and what I've seen. I think it can also interact kind of negatively because sometimes, especially again, younger uh, fan bases, it becomes a competition, I think. And maybe that's a little bold of me to say, but, you know, I think that people really want to stand out and they really want help and people mistake fandom for a helpline in some circumstances well and i um like okay when i was a teenager in in the kind of years that i wasn't actively in fiction fandom in like shipping fandom you know i was still active on the internet And one of the places that me and my friends tended to spend time was this website called Teen Moods. And it was a online discussion forum for mental illness. And it was this mental illness amongst teenagers, I suppose you could figure out, right? Um, It was just this horrible, horrible, like, cesspool echo chamber of adolescents on the internet trying to be more fucked up than the other one you know and it was just this in it, it wasn't like a support network it was just this like dark spiral that if you got onto you, you started frequenting this form you would just get sicker and sicker and sicker as you spent time there and so I I think you're totally right and I didn't quite experience that when I was I didn't quite experience that in fandom, but I've seen it in the, in those other spaces where in that sense, it was just kind of like the mental illness was the fandom. That was everybody's hyperfixation was what their diagnosis was or what they hoped their diagnosis would be. Um, I found that website super toxic. I eventually figured that out, you know, and kind of like peeled away from that group. Uh, but that was like, I didn't have a fandom, but I did have mental illness as a subject that me and my friends all thought was really cool. Oh, yeah. Before fandom, mental illness was my hobby. I mean, uh, a, a couple times during the during the middle of my fandom, like I do agree with you saying that sometimes mental illnesses can almost take on their own fandom, especially um, with uh, anorexia or eating disorders just in general. Um, I remember I had like a whole blog for it. And it was, again, it was like, you know, I only followed other people who were anorexic. I only followed people who were like, you know, super not interested in recovering. And so it just kind of became like a, who can upload the scariest picture of themselves? Who can get the most notes? Who can, uh, and then it's also, um, there's this thing that anorexia blogs do. Um, where you have a support system in the way where you make friends and then those friends insult you to help you achieve your goal. And uh, I know that sounds really scary. And it is, it is really scary. It is really scary. Um, And it was really scary as like, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old, um, you know, getting really involved in this uh, echo chamber fandom. Yeah for mental illness and a lot of the time you know sometimes occasionally like these people would reblog k-pop thing or you know um so there was a little bit of fandom mentality on top of it so I think uh you know I think there's a little bit of a duality there yeah I mean I I think it's interesting it's kind of like you know you've got your mental illness you you just got it. it it's just there you can either be fixated on your mental illness or you can go find something else to fixate on 
And uh, I think that there's a benefit in fixating on like a ship or a fandom if you put yourself in the right circles and if you are, you know, cautious about watching your mood and making sure you're not participating on your bad days. Agreed. So why would you say um, going from sort of using mental illness as a fandom, um, why would you say that you came into or or returned to uh, queer fandom as a whole for shows and such? Was that better for you? Was that a better change? Yeah, see, that's kind of where like Supernatural came in. And Supernatural was really interesting for me because uh, it was a horror and it played with really dark subjects. And, you know, like there was times where certain characters were evil and like out of their minds and they couldn't control themselves or the, you know, their environment, especially in Supernatural, you know, there's always something bad going on to the main characters, but they keep prevailing. And uh, also just like focusing on the ship. And like, you know, because a couple, I was a DCL shipper too. And I thought, you know, that was a very (laughs) tragic, sad ship, but it was also, you know, a ship that prevailed. Uh And, uh, you know, I saw, I saw myself in, you know, Dean a little bit because I kind of, uh, I was like, oh, well, he's gay and he's mentally ill. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Jensen Ackles would be rolling right now if he heard me. I think he'd get over it. I think he's heard this enough times. Oh, he gets really mad. <laughs> oh boy. No fan of drama. <laughs> we shouldn't you know, the the real world should never connect with the the no. fandom. Never yeah. tell the actors. I think that's a that's a life lesson. Yeah. Never uh, tell the actors. God, <laughs> make it a, put it on a t shirt. That's something <laughs> that's like my main advice for young fandom is don't bring fandom activities to the actors. Get your signature, tell them what they mean to you, and go. (laughs) They don't need to know more than that. (laughs) No, because they're people too, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, Yeah. I remember in the brief period of time, I dipped into Lord of the Rings fandom after the first movie came out. Um, One of the issues that was happening in that fandom was um, photo manipulations were really popular. So people would (laughs) really, really beautifully and skillfully put like the heads on like sexy, like porn bodies. (laughs) And then people would bring it to them, to the actors at like, signings and stuff and be like will you sign this and like the actors would get like upset or think it was funny and it's like that's not that's their faces like that's just their faces on some random like naked guys like that's not really appropriate and it doesn't seem like the characters anymore it just kind of looks like the actors it just kind of looks like you've made porn of the actors and are showing it to them it's very weird you shouldn't do that I think that's a (laughs) perfect a perfect example of mental illness and fandom going unchecked Yeah, it's the mixing of reality and fiction. And um, a lot of people, their online fandom is kind of an interesting space because you can be very uh, odd and quirky online and it doesn't translate as well in person. So it's hard because you have a bunch of people who don't really interact with other people in real life. Right. And they see how people interact online and they get misconceptions about what's appropriate. And because, you know, there's a little bit of mental illness, uh, you know, it it becomes a big thing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, first of all, I think almost everybody's got mental illness nowadays. It's just like the state of our society. Um, but I think there's also just like, you know, when you... <laughs> I might end up taking this out, but because it it's sounds okay. kind of bad. But, you know, if if you have the time to be very, very active in Internet fandom, it usually means you're home a lot or there's a reason that you've you've got this like downtime that you can be interacting. And, you know, for a lot of cases, it's because there's a gap in the actual social life. And so for a lot of these people, this is the only social interaction that they're having. And so there's a skew and you think it's normal 
because this is what you talk about with everybody all the time. This is the only thing you talk about is this ship or this fandom. It's hard to look at it in the lens of like the real society. And that's how things like the actors get tangled up into it or like overstepping those, those lines where like, you know, I, when I'm at a convention and I go to a, um, pan to like a, a panel that has, cast and crew on it or whatever and they do audience questions how I'm always like writhing in my seat in embarrassment mm -hmm. because I just I'm always someone's gonna ask a question that just crosses that line between I have a healthy understanding that these are separate things and I'm very very deeply you know into this fandom and I, I believe it's a part of me and it can be a part of you but I think mental illness gives that opportunity f for people to struggle to, yeah, to I mean, put the boundaries where they need to. I don't know if you want to put this in, but you know, I work with, uh, you know, I work with uh, special ed kids, and what I one of the one of the things that uh, autism brings is uh, hyperfixation and special interests, and autism is also you know characterized by a little bit of lack of social cues and not really understanding how to appropriately conduct yourself with other people and you know not really reading body language or facial cues or anything like that so i think that's a, a mixture is that you know i think like a, especially like anime and japanese media seems to speak to a lot of people because it's very different and it's very out there and it's kind of outcast and a lot of these people feel the same way. And so they just latch on and then it becomes a special interest. And then the social, the lack of social cues kind of becomes very apparent. And then add into that, you know, being some sort of queer, having some sort of uh, question about your um, sexuality or gender or attractions you know, it, it just, um, I could see why fandom quickly becomes this like all encompassing, most important thing in the world, right? Reason to wake up in the morning, air in your lungs sort of feeling when you're, when you're putting your, and you know, I'm speaking in, in terms of being like an adolescent in fandom because that was one of the points, you know, my mental health was, um, at its strongest. And so was my fandom experience. My fandom life was at its strongest, uh, you know, it was like I found a group of people that they all had some sort of mental illness and we were all interested in the same piece of fiction and all of them were queer. And so it was just like it was just like the safest spot in the world that I could kind of experience those things. And so it became so super important to me. And I see why it's become important to other people who are both queer and mentally ill which so many of us are certainly <laughs> everyone on this skype call <laughs> lo you were you were also in fandom really young like i was do you have like the same experience would you say um i would say that fandom's always been a place for me to experiment with my sexuality um and it's also been a way for me to like hyper fixate and find people that are like minded. Um, I went to a small school, didn't have a lot of classmates. So um, I had a couple friends, but I always felt a little singular. So for fandom, that was a way for me to find other friends that were interested in the same thing, which I think at the time uh, when I found fandom at 10 and experimenting with it when I was in middle school, um, I wasn't quite sure what to make of my own sexual identity. I was like, well, you know, when I was younger, I thought I liked girls and now I kind of like boys. Um, but it's always sort of given me that leeway to not panic about my identity and to find people that are kind of like-minded to me, um, be it through sexuality or through identifying with certain characters or just being weirdos that were into fandom like I was, just weirdos that really liked, I don't know, anime a lot. That was important to me. Do you, do you feel like you found the same sort of like feelings of hope and like uplifting um, energy from fandom that Kaylee did? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm at a point um, now where most of my friends who I have, most of my good friends who I who I love to see and, and would consider my closest friends, um, I've met through fandom. 
or have had that sort of background and we've met through happenstance in some other way. Um, so definitely that's important to me in finding people that I would consider like my group or my tribe. Like those are the people I feel the most at ease with are, are other sort of fan of weirdos. And most of them are, are shippers. Do you think finding the right group of friends is necessary to have a good fandom experience? Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, I just don't interact and I'm just taking it in like a like a little sponge, you know, I find something new and I'm like, ooh, what is this? And just like absorb it. But um, finding other people gives me a way to connect and kind of put my roots down. I don't know if it has the same effect for either of you. Um, it, it does for me. Um, I remember, you know, being a lonely, depressed teen in fandom. Sometimes I would, you know, consume this media where these characters really love each other or, you know, these characters are very close friends. And, uh, you know, while it was good to escape to it, uh, a lot of the time, once I came back to real life, I was like, oh, I'm lonely. Like, I don't have that and I'm not going to have that. And so in fandom, I found friends who do make me feel like, you know, the ways that I was imagining and fantasizing about feeling about when I was younger and sad. I feel like that's such a good point too because I feel like that's so prevalent in queer fandom that even um amongst friends who aren't in a romantic relationship with each other are just just so affectionate and so fond to each other and so supportive and there's just like so much love being poured through it because that's so much of what a lot of us are here for with shipping is looking for that love and that relationship and so I do think you find friends that you can kind of experience that with even if it's not a partnership per se, you still have, you know, that sort of love coming to you uh, from someone who understands where you're coming from. Even though there's been some really rocky times in fandom, I feel like uh, now I've really found, you know, I found my fandoms and I'm sure I'll keep growing and changing fandoms. And But I've also found friends through fandom. And I think like I said in the beginning, uh, fandom has always been a very social thing for me. And I think I need socialization to thrive and I need people who are like me to thrive. And I think that this is just the perfect way to do that. And I'm really thankful for everything that fandom has given me. And I'm really glad my dad bought me Kingdom Hearts 2 on sale. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about you, Lowe? Is there anything you want to add on the topic? Oh, just the fandom can be a very positive experience in, in finding your identity and finding who you are, figuring out where you fit in the world. Yeah, who would I be without all my kin? <laughs> no, I don't have a personality besides characters that I've lined up through the years and said, oh, that one. <laughs> it's true. I think um, with every fandom, I find my ship and I find my boy. And that's the one that I'm like, oh, I, I idolize something in that character or there's something I want or something I see of myself. And I, I started referring to it as um, putting on my boy skin in every new <laughs> fandom. <laughs> that's really scary. <laughs> Like how you know you listen to too many horror podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> your, your man mate. Yeah. My flesh body suit. That's where I'm the most comfortable. <laughs> my my personality is just like a, a, a Jenga stack of kin over the years. <laughs> and then and then it's really cool if you're cool with other kin because then you guys can play like bingo with your kin. But I'm, you know, like, we we didn't get to talk about it in this recording, but when Kaylee and I were having other conversations on this subject, we were um, talking about how, you know, sometimes when your mental illness is not well and you you find yourself kinning um, as, you know, like an escaper is a mental process or whatever it is. But if you're like really, really deep in it, you don't want to like see or interact with like other kin. Because it's. It's scary. It's scary to have your identity challenged when uh, you already don't like your regular identity. Yeah. And then the one identity that you finally is what you're claiming as yourself, somebody else is like, well, me too. And you're like, "Uh, no, I was here first. Well, and that was very much like I I mentioned um, the anime expo that I met Kaylee at the anime, the first first time I wore my Noctis cosplay at that anime expo. I didn't want to like see other knocks like I was like uh-uh and I can't, like turn away and that's such a shitty 
person to be, and I'm not that person, like, a year later, you know, I was like, yeah, whoever wants to wear my Noctis cosplay, like, whatever, go ahead. But when I was at the worst of worst of it, and that fandom was really the thing that was keeping me afloat, I didn't want anybody to, like, tug on my security blanket. I just wanted to be Noctis for the weekend, you know, and I, I didn't want anyone to touch it. And so I understand where that, where that comes from, but there's just so many interesting things that go into queer fandom and... Um, identity and mental illness and how all those things kind of like interplay. We're going to have to have another episode to kind of discuss everything because there's just more and more to, to go into. But you should feel validated because you were the only cosplayer I talked to. I do feel validated. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> dopamine. Dop- dopamine. Dopamine um, factory. Plus one. <laughs> Um, I guess that's, I guess that's, you know, we just managed to like wriggle, uh, wriggle kin in right at the end of the episode. That was all I was really hoping, hoping, you know, make sure we get to mention, mention kin right at the end. Maybe that's the, the end of every single episode. We just make sure we talk about kin just a little bit. I mean, it's comfortable. It's a comfortable subject for me. (laughs) That'll really, um, that really won't alienate any, uh listeners all right uh kaylee thank you so much for talking to us we have a ton of great material here to go through and we loved having you on the show and we're looking forward to having you on the show again soon thanks for kind of putting yourself out there into being our first guest i know it's a little bit scary and and doing an interview and being recorded is never um never easy so thank you so much it's okay i trust you guys and uh I feel like this is like a really cool project and uh, I'm really happy to be like a part of it. Thank you, Kaylee, for participating. You're a gem. I definitely <laughs> want to talk to you again in other episodes. I have other things like specifically that I want to talk to you about. So oh, I'm so excited. Thanks for being our experimental guinea pig. You did so good. Okay, I love you guys. I feel okay. a lot better. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow for D&D. Okay. Oh, I forgot. I'm so excited. Yeah, <laughs> D&D tomorrow. We'll see you then. Finally. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us a bunch. If you tweet about the show, we'll thank you in the next episode and plug your art or your fic or your cosplay or just your beautiful soul. Use the hashtag Queer Fandom Podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Fandom, and you can email us at queerfandompod at gmail.com. Until next time.